Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today we have a great program to start off the year. You know, we've had a couple programs already this year, but January is the time when we're doing our, yes, New Year's resolutions and things like that. But more importantly, we're thinking about how we can take our businesses and our profession to that next level. And if you're not thinking that, why the heck aren't you? You know, you really need to be thinking about that. And we'll be honest, you need to be thinking about that all the time. But it does tend to be something that people think about more at the first of the year. So I'm really excited to have my guest on today because we're going to be talking about public speaking. And as I have said many times in the past, I think that every small business owner, every entrepreneur has to be a good public speaker. Maybe not knock them out of the the ballpark, but has to be able to get up, tell people about your business. But yes, maybe knock it out of the ballpark. And so join me in welcoming Clint Arthur to our program today. Welcome, Clint. Hey, now. (laughs) It's great. I love talking to you. you. This is going to be so much fun. And, you know, but before we really get started, let me tell people about you, because when I read your bio, it was fantastic. And this is a short bio, folks. This really is just a short little bio. So if you want to know more about Clint, you have got to go to his website because that's where you're really going to learn more about him. Um, but, you know, so we'll just give you a little snippet of her of his bio here. So Clint Arthur makes more money as a speaker than 99 percent of the members in the National Speakers Association. The number one best-selling author of What They Teach You at the Wharton Business School and Break Through Your Upper Limits on TV. Clint has his new book out called Speaking Game, Seven Figure Speaker Secrets Revealed. And today he's here to share the five things you should never say if you want to make more money. So again, Clint, welcome to our program. Thank you so much. It is really a pleasure to be here with you. And I just want to point out that I started out by saying, hey, now, uh-huh. and I did I did that on purpose because who says, hey, now, when he answers phone calls? Do you know? I'm not sure. Howard Stern. So whenever Howard Stern answers a, a call, mm-hmm. like when somebody comes on, they go, hey, Howard, how are you doing? He goes, hey, now. Right. Right. Now, I, I said that on purpose because one of the things that Howard Stern does on his radio show, and I, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way because I'm just – I'm always trying to be helpful. Uh, he, he told his listeners, don't say good morning, Howard, because I don't know when my listeners are going to be listening to this program. This and true. it may not be morning, and I just wanted to point out mm-hmm. that you said good morning, good morning right. when and we started this show. immediate disconnect because they think I'm not speaking to them. Yeah, because it's not morning. And right as you know, and my point of this is I referenced Howard Stern because Howard Stern is in my book. Right. My book, Speaking Game, I like I, I really thought about my life as a speaker and what helped me to be a great speaker and what helped me to make so much money when I talk to people. 
And one of the things is that I am a student of mm-hmm. speakers. And I wrote about Howard Stern as being one of my inspirations. And, you know, I thought this was a perfect time to bring it up because mm-hmm. anybody who's a speaker has to study other speakers, either live, on video, or listening to their recordings somehow. Right. You know, and, and it was funny. We were talking off the air before the program about your book, and there is a huge section in it about other speakers that you admire, that you have learned from, all of those various things. And to me, right there, that's worth getting the book because it really is, you know, and sometimes the, the message or the person might not be somebody that you're thinking, eh, but they're still phenomenal speakers. And that's the important part is, you know, what can you learn from them? And you talk about it in your book. And I love this because there are so many things in there. And yes, saying, hey, is a chapter in the book. And, and I really like it. was very interesting to think about that. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. But when I showed the book to my wife, she goes, are you really going to be giving away all this secret, top secret information that you usually only charge lots of money to high level clients to learn this stuff? Because I, you know, I really, honestly, the part about all the different speakers, mm-hmm. that's, that's like, that's, that, that's gold. That, that really is gold. And there, I don't know any other speakers who would put a section where they're basically recommending all of their mentors and competition mm-hmm. to, to their students I mean, I don't know anybody who does that, and I don't know anybody who would do that. There's usually a big scarcity mentality out there, and I try to live from abundance, Mm -hmm. and that's why I I honestly believe that people would be really well served if they were to go out and study with all these people that I have studied with myself. Mm -hmm. Well, and you're right. You know, people will say maybe one or two, maybe five names of their mentors, people they've learned from. But you have such a phenomenal list that there's got to be somebody there that will resonate with anybody who reads your book. Um, because there really are so many different people from true, and I'm putting this in my little air quotes, celebrities mm-hmm. to, uh, to motivational speakers to education people. You know, anybody and everybody is in that section. And, you know, it's, it's one of those, I, you know, I read it, but I'm going to go back and read it again. And more importantly, start following on Facebook, following on Twitter, connecting with their websites. But that's reading them. As you mentioned, you have to watch their videos. And that's really where you learn from them. You could also just listen to their audio. Like, for example, when you just said, and I'll put this in my air quotes, celebrities. That was really nice technique, my darling. I'm very proud of you. I actually knew that before you, but that is a section in there about singing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I loved that because what we just did was we placed emphasis on that word. You know, and and we can do it with other things, too, like sound effects, you know, all these various things. And what it does for, you know, and and clearly we want people to buy the book, so we're not going to give away all the secrets. But how many times for our listeners out there and, and, you know, you and I, Clint, how many times have we gone paid? A little bit of money, a lot of money, mm-hmm. and heard a speaker that just kind of droned on and on and didn't change their inflection, stood there like a bump on a log, yep. um, you know, all these various things. And their message could have been absolutely phenomenal, but we tuned out within the first couple minutes because they were boring. It happens all the time, and I, I, I just want to reassure the audience, though, that regardless of the fact that you 
should buy the book and will get way more out of the book than you will out of this audio for one hour, I want to assure you, you're going to get tons of value out of this audio for one hour. And if you think you're going to get, you know, if you think you got a lot out of this one hour, wait till you read the book. And if, if you think you get a lot out of the book and you do wait till you come to one of my live events and feel the energy, because the, the advantage that you have in this audio is that you're feeling our energy Mm-hmm. And you're hearing our performance. You don't have to invent the performance in your mind while you're reading. You actually are hearing entertaining performances with people who are skilled entertainers using what they have with voice mm-hmm. and sound to entertain you. And you should be learning even right now, just from what we've what we've said in these introductory remarks is a part of a master class on speaking and training like that because you're really good, girlfriend. And and I feel like we're playing a pretty high-level tennis game right now. Fine. Well, thank you. You know, and and it is it, you know we kind of theater of the mind <clears throat> or painting the picture with our words. You know those various things. And you know it, it's funny. One of your sections is on talking with your hands. Even doing this radio program, I'm using my gestures. I'm you know and, and because that carries through. Sure. You you know you kind of open yourself up when you're waving your hands. And of course, my cats think that I'm just absolutely hilarious. Um, but you know, it, it is something that if we're really good at it, just listening to us should convey a good portion of what we're like. If you were to see us speaking, it's fascinating. I was on a television show in Phoenix on Saturday morning. It was called good morning, Arizona, the number one morning show in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately the producers of the segment stayed on a graphic image representing my talking points for like maybe a minute of the first 90 seconds of this segment. It was a five minute segment and they really missed out on a lot of great stuff that the host and I were doing visually Mm -hmm. with our bodies, with our faces, with our hands. They just stayed on this card. But I got to tell you, the work we did with our voices Mm -hmm. came through loud and clear, even over the cat, over the card. And you could tell, what, how great what we were doing was just from listening to what we were saying. So I think that the first takeaway for anybody listening to this audio should really be how you say what you say is probably more important than what you actually say. Right. Well, and, you know, it goes back even to, I, it might have been Dale Carnegie or, you know, one of those big sales training people who said to when you're speaking – smile you know so when you're when you're trying to sell somebody something smile and that comes through and it does you know we we can always tell you know you're on the phone with somebody and if they're just kind of droning on and on and they are bored you're like okay whatever but you really can tell when they are smiling when they're engaged when they're enthusiastic and sometimes it's almost impossible to tell them no you know if they're really good at what they do and, and again, I'm talking about like a sales call, but, you know, it's it, that tone of voice, the inflection, all of those various things comes through. It does 100 percent. And a lot of my clients, look, I teach clients how to get on TV, to become celebrities for free. I teach them how to be great speakers so that they can make more money in their entrepreneurial endeavors, whatever they may be. And I always tell people, hey, if you, if all you get out of my training is you smile more, 
that's going to pay off for you mm-hmm. in every single way, including more sales. But more importantly, you're going to be happier. Right. And and your kids are going to like you better if you have kids mm-hmm. and your dog is going to like you better if you don't have kids. And if your dog if you don't have a dog, you're going to like yourself better because right. you're smiling more. So it's really a, a win-win to just try to smile more. And, and then I have so many clients who say, but I do smile all the time. And then I show them video of themselves talking and they're not smiling. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not quite so easy to do it as people think. Right. You know, and, and you do talk about that in your book. And so I watched some of your videos and you are smiling a great deal of the time. I mean, you know, clearly there's times when it's serious and you can't and things like that. But more importantly, it was a sincere smile. You know, excuse me, we've all seen the people who are smiling. I, you know, I've shared with my uh, listeners before. One of my favorite television programs is The Big Bang Theory. Mm-hmm. So when Sheldon smiles, it is the creepiest thing in the world. Of course, you know, they're doing that on purpose. But, you know, we've seen people like that. We've seen, you know, where they are giving some type of presentation and they're thinking, I should smile here. And so they go, hey. Or, you know, various things like that. And and when I watched your videos, I could see how comfortable you were with smiling. Now, I know that probably took practice. It, you have no idea. I mean, people say to me, oh, you're a natural. I'm not a natural. You know what I am? I'm a natural introvert. Ooh. I am a naturally shy person. Mm-hmm. And I talked about this with one of my clients the other day. And it all comes down to the fact that if I don't get up there and speak, who's going to earn the money for me? Who's going to pay the mortgage? Who's going to pay all the bills that I need to pay if I don't do it? So I'm really a natural introvert introvert who pushes himself out of his comfort zone every single day. And like I told Brooke Shields on the Today Show, life begins where your comfort zone ends. Right. And and I sincerely, sincerely believe that. And I think that all the good stuff begins once you get outside of your comfort zone, because that's when life becomes a surprise. And who doesn't like surprises? I mean, maybe maybe some people don't like bad surprises, but in general, people enjoy good surprises. And that's part of what you get with the speaking game is uh, I try to teach you how to do things with your voice, which are not normal and therefore are out of your comfort zone because you have to actually do them. You have to think about it and do the things. And what happens is that you end up having experiences with your voice that you really didn't expect. And it's those unexpected moments, those surprises, which are the best parts about being a speaker and being a person in the world. Mm -hmm. Well, and to be honest, they're not, Things that you normally do. I mean, you know, when I'm in a conversation with somebody, I typically don't all of a sudden sing a word. I mean, you know, that's just not really how you have conversations with people. Or raising and lowering your tone of voice to the degree that you do when you're speaking. We do that naturally. But but when we're actually giving a presentation, we're emphasizing these things. You know, whether it's that you're emphasizing certain words or singing a word or doing all of those things. So that's why you have to practice because it's not comfortable. I mean, you know, and it sounds funny in your ears. I mean, you know, to be honest, when I do my little sing-songy voice, part of me is thinking, you dope. (laughs) But I know it gets people's attention. Well, we were talking before we started the recording about children. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people who have children do this type of stuff when they're trying to be as entertaining as a child requires you to be. 
especially these little kids. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have a little one or two year old and you want to keep them from crying, you're going to do a lot of this stuff with your voice that you normally wouldn't do with an adult because you're not so concerned about entertaining an adult because you think, well, the intellectual value of what I'm presenting to this person, the logical the the logical value proposition that I'm presenting to this buyer makes enough sense for them to be interested. But the truth of the matter is, is that it's harder today than ever to have a person be interested in what you're doing because mm-hmm. there's so much competition for their attention in the terms of tweets and texts and emails and dings and buzzes on their phones and on their laptops. So if you don't play these games with your voice, if you don't use these tricks that I teach, the low-hanging fruit, as I like to call it, of being a seven-figure speaker to help keep an audience of one, 100, 1,000, 100,000 entertained while you're talking, then you're at a severe disadvantage in today's hyper-competitive and super busy and technology-infused environment vying for your prospect's attention. Right. You know, and, and you mentioned it. It's one to a hundred to a thousand to whoever. You know, we've all seen it happen. We've had it happen to us where maybe it is a one-on-one meeting and they're either not prepared or, you know, their inflection, all those various things. It doesn't matter. You're not going to buy from them. The worst thing is when I go to networking events and we all have to stand and do the hi, I'm you know, that type of thing. Mm. And you have somebody, I've, I've been to ones where they've stood up and they've had their paper in front of them. And they are reading it, and they are saying, hi, I am Deb Creer, and I, oh, holy schmoly. Now, practice is good, you know, but don't, you shouldn't be practicing in front of people like that. Um, You know, and and, and that's one of the things that, it, it, and maybe it's because I do this for a living, but that will immediately turn me off on them. I feel bad for them, and I might try and help them and say, hey, do you want to practice with me, you know, the next, so that you're more comfortable giving it, things like that. But you know, if they continue to stand up every time and say, hi, I'm Dave Creer, and, you know, and you can tell they're reading it or they're so nervous. And, you know, and folks, people get nervous. Let's not ever discount the fact that people are nervous. Barbara Streisand throws up before she goes on stage. So, you know, people get nervous before they speak. So, you know, but you still should be able to get up at a networking event and tell people what you do without people texting, tuning out, doing whatever. I mean, it's 30 seconds, people. (laughs) But, you know, more importantly, it's you're losing clients, you're losing customers. So practice these things that that Quinn is going to talk to us about and learn them. And I promise you will do better the next time you have to, to get up in front of a group of people. You're 100% right. Everybody does get nervous. In fact, I handle this like, you know, part, the very first part of my book is overcoming your fear of public speaking. Mm -hmm. And one of my clients starred in a movie with Elvis Presley. Mm -hmm. And she told Elvis the first day she met him on the set, Elvis, I'm nervous. And he said, honey, every time I go on stage, I get them butterflies in my stomach. That just means you're alive. Now, that's a true story. Mm-hmm. And it really shows you that if Elvis Presley could get nervous, that you have every right to be nervous before you go up on stage or in front of an audience of any size. And that's okay. And you should expect it because if Elvis is nervous, you should expect to be nervous. Bruce Springsteen says that he, if when he stops getting butterflies in his stomach, he's going to quit performing. Right. 
So just get over the fact that you're nervous and you got to do it anyway. So there you go. Hey, enough of this freestyle, don't you think? Can't we start some of the structured content? Because I know people want me to teach because probably five things we should never say to make more money. Yeah, because I, I, like I said earlier, what what we've been doing for the last, let's see, uh, 25 minutes or so mm-hmm. has been a masterclass in performance. And if you go back and listen to this audio again, you're going to hear all kinds of things that we've been doing with our voices that you should be doing because we know what we're doing here and we're doing a lot of stuff on purpose that you should be doing. But Let's go into the five things you should never say if you want to make more money. And the first thing you should never say if you want to make more money is let me think about it. Now, generally, when you are asked by a salesman, would you like to buy on those rare occasions when a salesman has enough guts to actually ask you for the order and you say, let me think about it, what does that usually mean? It usually means no, but I don't want to hurt your feelings by telling you no or waste any more time by having you try to resolve my concerns here in the moment. And so call me later for me to tell you no over the phone or to never tell you no, which is a passive, passive aggressive behavior. I'm never going to answer your call. Yeah. That's another way to be no being passive aggressive. And I say, Hey, if you are a person who wants to make more money, never say, let me think about it. Just make a decision. People who make a lot of money are very decisive. When rich people sit down at a table in a restaurant, they look at the menu and in 30 seconds, they know exactly what they want and they order. Mm-hmm. They're, they're very fast about this stuff. So the first thing you should never say if you want to make more money is let me think about it. You should say yes or no and move on with your life and not open up any of these loops that have to be closed later on by having the salesman follow up with you. Now, the second thing you should never say if you want to make more money is you should think about it. Don't encourage your cu- your customers or your prospects to waste time by opening up these loops that have to be closed at a later date. Encourage your customers and prospects to make a decision and say yes. Right. That's, that's the goal. So whenever people say, well, let me think about it, I always say, hey, don't think about it. Be the customer you always want, Mm -hmm. be the customer you want. That's a very powerful statement. Be the client you want to attract and say yes. Mm -hmm. And you'll have that happening more for you in your life if you put that out there in the world. Well, and if you tell them, you know, hey, Clint, why don't you take some time and think about this? You're going to go off and research other things. (laughs) You basically said, I don't want to work with you. (laughs) Go, Go find something else out, you know, and, and, yeah, make them make that decision. And if it's no, okay, you know what? Then nobody's wasting their time. I'm as good with a no as I am with a yes because I know that all business is a numbers game. And the more no's I get, the closer I am to getting the yes. Mm-hmm. A lot of my clients who come through my TV publicity training program, I tell them, hey, for every 20 producers you talk to, one of them is going to say yes and invite you on their show. So get through those 19 so you can get to the 20th one. Mm-hmm. Numbers game. So number three, speaking of numbers. Number. <laughs> Very good. Hey, I transitioned. <laughs> really good. Number three, the third thing you should never say if you want to make more money is I would have, could have, should have. Hey, in life, you are going to win. You're going to lose. And sometimes you're going to break even. All, the, all of those things happen. Sometimes they even happen in one transaction. And don't regret what happened. Learn your lessons and move on. Do the best you can. 
but don't beat yourself up because you quote unquote made a mistake. Mm -hmm. There are no mistakes. There's only lessons. And each lesson has a corresponding price tag. Very often, the most important lessons cost you the most money to learn. So don't have any regrets of I would have, could have, should have done it differently. Just mm -hmm. learn what you learn and move on with your life. Right. And then the fourth thing you should never say if you want to make more money is let me give you a discount. High-earning high money earners don't give discounts. They charge right. full, full price and they mm -hmm. generally charge a premium price. And that's why being a celebrity is so important for entrepreneurs is if your customer or prospect – doesn't look at you like somebody super special. It's much more difficult to get the high price and to get the full price. So the people who make more money are the ones who are able to charge full price and who are, and who are able to charge a premium price for whatever they buy, that whatever they sell or or do as a service. Right. So. Uh and, you know, I looked on your, uh, to me, I actually looked at your pricing on your website, and it's not inexpensive, but I wouldn't have expected it to be. I mean, if I had seen lower numbers, I would have thought, wait a minute, there's something wrong with this. You're wanting to help people become celebrities, you know, get on TV, all those various things. And if you had charged a discount price, a lower price, a cheap price, mm -hmm. I would have thought, well, that's not worth it. Um, you know, and it's funny because I learned that lesson many years ago from uh, an ad agency that I worked with. We never, ever, ever, ever told people our pricing until we were ready to sign the deal. You know, we made them want it, and then they would sign. And but part of that was they, they hit my uh, boss's philosophy was charge what that market will bear. You know, if we were dealing with, say, a nonprofit that needed help with promoting a special event, for example, we certainly were not going to charge them the same amount that we would charge a medical clinic to do all of their marketing. Because the nonprofit, yes, they don't have money to pay, but that's, you know, that's beside the point. The doctors expect to pay more for quality because they're charging more. And so it's kind of this whole big thing where if you, if you charge too little, they don't see a value in it. That's true. And pricing is definitely a huge component of marketing. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, my, my pricing for what we do, I try to keep it and have it feel like it's a no brainer. And right. yet, it, and yet it's not cheap. <laughs> it's not, I don't do anything cheap, but what I really do is do really over deliver with value mm -hmm. for the quote unquote high prices that I charge. Right. Now, I know a lot of people who charge more for doing less. Mm -hmm. And I personally think that their buyers are idiots because they're just not discerning buyers. My buyers are very discerning people who recognize quality and value. And that's what I try to deliver every single time and over deliver on every single time. That's a, a principle of business that I have always over deliver. And I suggest that people do that in their businesses as well. Right. Well, and of course, the other problem with discounts is if you give one discount, then other people expect it too. Now, you know, there are discounts, like I, I say, I will give uh, discounts, I, I might, or I may, or something like that, so I don't say every time, however I word it, to nonprofits, or I will do certain pro bono per year, things like that. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if I tell you, well, hey, Clint, I'm, you know, I'll give, I'm, I'm going to give you a 10% discount. 
Well, then you tell your buddy Sue mm-hmm. that, that you know, and then Sue expects that I'm going to give her that ten percent discount too. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the other problem with discounts; it gets really tricky. And the hard part is when you're starting out, whether it's that you're starting out as a business, you know, a speaker, which is what we're talking about, because you're thinking, oh, I really, really, really want to book that, so I'm going to give them a discount. Mm. You know, it may come back to bite you. It really works against you because people today, especially when there is so much money in the world, Mm -hmm. when we had quantitative easing and then we had quantitative easing too. And everything has been inflated. There's lots and lots of money. So the shortage is not in the amount of money that people have. The shortage is in delivering outstanding experiences, products, services, etc. That's where the real shortage is. And so people are happy to pay a lot of money because they have a lot of money if they can get the high-quality service, product, or experience that they really want. So, for example, when we go to a restaurant, I mean, and it's sad, sad, sad when it happens. We would go to a restaurant, and it'll be our favorite steakhouse for a while, and then all of a sudden, we'll get one bad steak, Mm -hmm. and that's it. We don't don't go there anymore. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my wife and I go to dinner, and it's $150 with no alcohol or one glass of wine. She'll have one glass of wine. And, you know, it's an expensive client for that restaurant to lose just because they failed one time. But that's Mm -hmm. the level of expectation that people have today because no one has time for a bad experience anymore. And that takes us into the fifth thing you should never say if you want to make Mm -hmm. more money, which is, can I have a discount? Ah, So (laughs) don't, you know, I'm telling you don't offer discounts. And I'm also telling you don't ask for discounts because when you ask a person to discount their price of their service or product or experience or whatever, they feel like they're not getting full value for what they're delivering to you. And Mm -hmm. so they don't deliver as good of a product or service as what you would want. And, and even worse than that is that when you pay less for it, now you feel like you're getting less value from whatever it is that you bought. And it's really terrible to think that if, if you're going to spend $258,000 on a new Bentley and then you ask them for a discount that you're not going to feel the same full satisfaction from your prized possession Bentley Mm -hmm. as you would if you had just gone in there and paid full price and felt like you were the baller and that's Mm -hmm. why you got the Bentley and you didn't even bargain with the guy. You just paid full price for it because you can. And Mm -hmm. that's really the best way to play in life. I like to say to a lot of my clients – When you pull up to valet parking, you're the person that every single valet parker is hoping is going to get out of the car because you're the guy who's got the money. You're the gal who's got the money and you give them a good tip because that's what you're supposed to do. You need to play the role in life that you're supposed to play and that you want to play because you can't fake it. At the end of the day, when you cheat, when you scrimp, when you are a chiseler, The only person who's really getting cheated is yourself. You're getting cheated out of the full satisfaction of being the baller that you really want to be. Right. And to me, it's also a show of respect. You know, if I were to, to say, go to you and say, hey, Clint, I really want to take one of your programs, but can you knock off, you know, 10%? To me, that shows that I'm not respecting what you do. 
And it's funny, I have a brother-in-law that, you know, we swear has the very first nickel that he ever made, you know, <laughs> clutched tightly in his hand. He gets annoyed if you don't dicker. I mean, that's, that is, that is his personality. Mm. I went to Lowe's one time and, and got, you know, some fittings that, and I mean, I wasn't going to dicker at Lowe's and he got mad at me. I'm like, really? I could dicker at Lowe's? That would have never occurred to me. I mean, you know, their price was their price was their price. Are there times sometimes when you dicker? Well, maybe, maybe not. But, you know, it, 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 it really is a show of respect to me. You know, if, if I'm going to ask somebody for a discount, it's like you said, I'm devaluing their work. Okay, so I talk about this issue in another book of mine called What They Teach You at the Wharton Business School. That was my first best-selling book. And one of the lessons I learned at Wharton was that in a contract negotiation, you should never negotiate the price. There are lots of other things to negotiate where you can do much better. So you can negotiate terms. You can negotiate time. You can negotiate bonuses. You can negotiate payment methodologies where they're providing you with financing. There's all kinds of things to negotiate which are way more important and easier to get than a reduction of the price. Mm -hmm. So I'm not telling people – to be suckers. And I'm certainly not telling anybody to be a non-discerning buyer. You must, the most important thing you have to be in life, I honestly believe, is a discerning buyer. And that comes to when you're choosing a spouse or a car or a place to live. There's a lot of things that go into a purchase decision and you have to really be smart about that. Now, once you've made up your mind to acquire a certain item, whatever that may be, human or inanimate, then you have to be a good negotiator about getting the best deal that you can in your best interest so that you get the full value that you want and are protected and are not getting taken advantage of. All right. Good. I discovered that years ago when, when I would bid on projects with clients because they always thought, well, you know, you're new and we can negotiate and and, and so, you know, say I would tell them for $5,000, we will design this website because I started out doing websites long enough ago that there wasn't WordPress and they really were hard to design. And they come back and they say, oh, I really don't have the budget for that. I, you know, I, I can do 2500 mm-hmm. And I'll say, OK, then what would you like us to cut out? Mm-hmm. So it was never okay. I'm going to do, or I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I'm going to do half the work because mm-hmm. you, know, you can really. But I would say, what could you cut out? And and you're right. You know, there are other ways to negotiate, especially speakers. I mean, frequently speakers are told, you know, in, in depending on where you're speaking, we don't pay our speakers. Mm-hmm. Well, I know some speakers who just flat out won't go. Okay, mm-hmm. that's their decision. You know, they they have to be paid. That is part of their income stream, or maybe their only income stream. But you can say, you know, maybe you want to negotiate, okay, this is a big enough conference, I want to be your presenting sponsor of it, Mm -hmm. or you're going to pay all my expenses, or I'm going to be able to sell my books. I mean, you know, there's all sorts of other ways to be be able to negotiate those things. It's very true, and I know a lot of speakers who say, oh, I never speak for free. And I say, okay, well, what's your fee? And they say, my fee is $6,000. And I I know that, number one, that they don't make a lot of money as a speaker. Right. And number two, that they don't get paid to speak very often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and number three, that they really don't understand the speaking business at all. Because mm-hmm. anybody who is anybody, I'm serious, anybody who's anybody 
gets paid $50,000 to speak. Right. And the top nobodies who speak, like if you want somebody who's kind of a real speaker, but they're really nobody, like you never heard of them before, if they're a really good speaker and they make a lot of money as a speaker, they're getting paid around twenty dollars to $25,000 at minimum to be a speaker to go to an event. So when I propose to a person to become a client of my speaker marketing services where they come into my organization and we get them prestigious speaking opportunities like mm -hmm. at Harvard or right. at Coca-Cola or West Point or the NASDAQ Stock Exchange or at Microsoft and they tell me, oh, I, I never pay to speak. I get paid $6,000 to speak. I know that they're either an idiot or they don't know what they're doing and they're not really a professional speaker. So mm -hmm. it's, it's sad but funny at the same time. Right. You know, and it is – I always love the ones where they will say, oh, well, you should be honored that you're speaking here. And, and you know what? It is an honor. And, and I've shared this story before. I've had you know several times where people have said, you should be honored that we asked you to speak. And I am because they could ask you know any number of people. But at the same point, they're more than likely selling tickets to the event, whether it's you know a seminar, a lunch, or whatever. And they're using my name or you know somebody else's name to sell tickets to that event. So, you know, then when they say we're not going to pay you, I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I mean, you know, you don't tell a football player, professional football player, well, you should be honored that the, the Atlanta Falcons, the Denver Broncos, the whoever wanted you to play. So we're not we're not going to pay you. No. <laughs> you know? Or actors, you know, all of those people, you pay them. <laughs> so why why shouldn't we want to you know be the speaker that gets paid? Well, those actors and professional athletes who do get paid a lot of money are what we generally refer to as celebrities. Right. And in in today's economy, if you are not a celebrity, it is very difficult to get paid. Period. And this is why I have so many clients who come to GuaranteedCelebrity.com and apply to be part of my Celebrity Launchpad training programs where I teach them how to book themselves on TV news and talk shows and start becoming actual, genuine, real celebrities in the eyes of their customers and prospects because unless you are, it's hard to get paid, period. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So give us a little snippet, Clint, because we don't want, as we said, we don't want to give this away. But what would, you know, basically what would someone learn if they said, I'm going to take that celebrity course? At Celebrity Launchpad, I teach authors, speakers, coaches, and entrepreneurs how to book themselves on local TV news and talk show interviews for free. Mm -hmm. And this all came out of the fact that when I was a little kid, I read a book one day and the main character of the book was this fantastic international businessman. And he went to a college called the Wharton business school. Mm -hmm. And I climbed to the top shelf in my bookcase and there was a W on the encyclopedia. And in the W book, I found that the Wharton business school was a real thing. And I made up my mind, wow, I'm going to go to the Wharton business school, the best yeah. business school in the world. Yeah, the best <laughs> business school in the world. And if I do that, Maybe my parents will stop arguing so much. Your parents ever argue when you were growing up? 
Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. With us, it, with us, it was like, when weren't they arguing? Seriously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're a little kid, you think it's all your fault. So I, I graduate from Wharton with a 4.0 GPA in entrepreneurship. And I go home to get the attaboys. And I'm sitting in the living room with my parents. And boom, they erupt into a gigantic argument. And my dad literally storms out of the house. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting on the couch in the living room where I grew up. And I turned to my mom and I said, you know, mom, the way he resents you all these years, have you been cheating on dad? Mm-hmm. Somehow you had picked up on that. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I can't believe I just asked my mother a question like that. Right. What, what kind of smart ass kid oh, asked yeah. his mom a question like his that? Mom. His mom. And then I'm thinking, why isn't she answering the question? Right. And then she says, he's not your real father. Your real father was a doctor at the fertility clinic we were going to for six years, and you looked just like him. Now imagine how you'd feel if everything you thought you knew about who you were was suddenly gone in a second. Poof. Mm-hmm. And not only didn't I know who I was anymore, but I sure as heck didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up anymore. Right. So I called up the investment bank on the 87th floor of number one World Trade Center and said, no, thank you, guys. I'm not interested in being an investment banker anymore, the coveted profession of the Wharton Business School graduates. Mm-hmm. I'm going to move out to Hollywood and try to discover who I am. And that's what I did. And that took, takes us all the way through the late 80s and through all the 90s, all the way to December 31st, 1999. Were you at an ATM getting out some Y2K money? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. They were going to shut down. You know, the world was going to stop. The computers were going to freak out. Well, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't at an ATM because I was making lots of cash that night as a taxi driver in L.A. And it was my sixth year of being a taxi driver, the Wharton taxi driver. Right. And, a lot of education to be, go be a taxi driver. <laughs> and in the back seat of my taxi that night were these two guys who were MBA interns at Goldman Sachs. And I was listening in on their conversation. And one of them says, did you hear about Mr. Carrera? They made him the last partner before the IPO and he cashed out $100 million. And I turned around and I go, you guys talking about Chris Carrera? Mm-hmm. And the guy goes, how do you know Mr. Carrera? Chris Carrera was a pledge in my fraternity when I was the pledge master. I used to make that little punk dance around the living room with his underpants on top of his head. Uh And now he just made $100 million and I was driving a taxi on New Year's Eve of the millennium making $513. Wow. And I went back to my little boat in Marina Del Rey where I was surviving as a starving actor, writer, aspiring filmmaker and climbed into my bunk and pulled the comforter around me because it was freezing cold Mm -hmm. and counted up my money and I started thinking about Mr. Carrera. Where was Chris Carrera tonight on New Year's Eve of the Millennium? Partying at the Rainbow Room? Mm -hmm. I can't take it anymore. Mm -hmm. And and that's when I swore an oath to myself. I'm never going to write again. I'm never going to go on another audition. I'm done pursuing my dreams. I just want to try to save my life from the wreckage that I've created. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started doing all kinds of personal self-help work. I walked on fire with Tony Robbins. I did Toltec Wisdom Studies with Don Miguel Ruiz, the author of The Four Agreements. I did men's power circles and seminars. I did everything you could do to change. And sure enough, when I started changing on the inside, that's when my outer circumstances in my life began to change. Mm -hmm. And I got out of taxi driving and I started selling gourmet food. And once I started making money, then I met a beautiful woman who luckily for me 
had had my best interests, not her own secret agendas. And she actually believed in me more than I even believed in myself. And she encouraged me to get into real estate. And I started building houses. And throughout the 2000s, I got very fat and happy. In fact, I peaked out at 236 pounds, making me about 50 pounds into obesity. And right. And I didn't even realize I was obese. I just knew I couldn't bend over and tie my shoes. That's all I knew. And uh, it came to be October of 2008, and we know what was happening then, and I'm at a men's self-help campfire, and what does that look like? That looks like 18 naked guys dancing around a campfire, and I'm one of them, and I'm looking up at the stars, and I notice all of a sudden some guy jumps over the campfire, and I notice he was really hairy. (laughs) <laughs> and then <laughs> and then on the other side of the campfire, I see the shaman, and he's wagging a finger at me, and he says, you, you don't know it yet, but you're already dead. I said, what are you talking about, man? I'm the most Hi. successful guy on this team. Eight years ago, I was a taxi driver. Now I'm a millionaire. I was living in a mm-hmm. boat. Now I live in a mansion, because you're already dead. You just don't know it. And I couldn't stop thinking about that. I mean, I didn't know what he was talking about, but I would wake up in the middle of the night out of a sound sleep for weeks and weeks. And I'd be like, I'm already dead. I'm already dead. What does he mean? Uh And then it came to be New Year's Day of 2009. And I woke up, poured myself a mimosa, pulled out a legal pad and a pen to write down my list of goals for the year. Like I had learned to do when I got successful as a businessman and stopped trying to be a writer. And I asked myself a question that was inspired by the shaman. I said, hey, if this was going to be the last year of my life, Mm -hmm. what would I want to accomplish this year? And that is a very interesting question if you consider it real, like seriously, Mm -hmm. which I did. And I was very surprised. The first thing I wrote down was I got to write my book about what I learned at the Wharton Business School that helped me to become a successful entrepreneur because I had a daughter who was 13 years old at the time. She Mm -hmm. sure as heck didn't care one whit about my business expertise then and even now. And Mm -hmm. I, but I wanted to preserve that wisdom for her. And so that's what I did. And it took me eight days to write that book. I hadn't written a word in over eight years. So it was Mm -hmm. like a fire hose came out of me. And I self-published that book on Kindle Mm -hmm. and on CreateSpace and waited for the sales to roll in. And boy, did those sales ever roll in. All eight of those sales rolled in in 2009, Uh right? (laughs) So so I believe in mentors. As you know, from reading my book, Mm -hmm. I list... Mm -hmm. Uh, more than a hundred of them. And so the first one I I sought out was someone named Jack Canfield, who is one of the guys behind the chicken soup for the soul series. I said, Jack, how do you sell books? He goes, you got to become somebody, somebody special. You got to be famous. You got to go on media every day. Mm -hmm. And so I hired a publicist and started paying her a lot of money to book me on TV shows. And in the first month, She put me on four shows and I thought, Hey, I've seen a lot of TV shows. How hard could it be? I'm going to be like, you know, I'll be like George Clooney and up in the air. I'll be fantastic. And I went on these shows and I sucked and I'm sitting in the living room watching the videos of these four first four appearances with my wife. And I said, honey, what do you think? And she goes, I think you suck. (laughs) And I said, I do too. And if I'm ever going to get good enough to get on a big show like the Today Show, I got to do a lot more TV. So I'm going to hire this publicist to book me on 10 more shows. And my wife goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why do you keep paying that lady? Why don't you just book yourself on shows? Mm -hmm. 
And I was like, can you do that? Don't you look like a loser if you call up a TV show and say, put me on your show? And it took me months to figure out how do you book yourself on TV? But I did. And in my first year, I booked seven appearances. In my second year, I booked another 20. And by my 32nd appearance, I was invited to go on NBC New York off a cold email because I had created the perception in the mind of the producer that I was a credible guest. Mm-hmm. And my 57th appearance was with Brooke Shields on the Today Show. And Willie Geist was the other interviewer. And they asked me, so Clint, you have a good idea. You ask yourself a question every year. What's that question? And the question is, if this was going to be the last year of your life, what would you want to accomplish? Because that's been the superpower that has taken me all the way from obscurity to the Today Show. Mm-hmm. And it, it was that powerful question that really, I live that every day in my life. And so uh, along the way, people started asking me, hey, Clint, how are you getting on all these TV shows? You're on fire. When you're an entrepreneur, when you're, when you're a business person, an author, a speaker, a coach, any kind of a person with a message, and you're on TV all the time, people think that you're on fire. And right. that is a very powerful power to have for your marketing. And my friends and associates wanted to know how to do that. So I looked at what I was doing and I reverse engineered it and it has evolved into an exact mathematical formula for how to book yourself on TV anytime you want for free. And that formula has enabled my students who come through my Celebrity Launchpad Celebrity Transformation 48 experiences to book themselves on more than 3,524 television appearances that I'm aware of so far. Mm-hmm. And they have gone on every single show. My, you know, I look back on all of this and I think to myself, why did I just do my 88th television appearance last week? Why do I keep going? What's driving me? Why have I spoken at Harvard and West Point and USC and all of the, and NASDAQ and all these other places that I go to? And I realized that it, it is the hope that Somehow, I'm going to get famous enough that my real dad is going to find me, that maybe daddy's going to love me one day. And unfortunately, that hasn't happened yet. It surprises me. I never get the call. But I will say that the times that I've come closest to really healing that wound, and it is Mm -hmm. a deep wound, have been the times when I get my chance to make my unique difference in the world. Mm-hmm. And the other times when I get closest to feeling healing is when my clients, many of whom become my good friends, go on to have their dreams come true on Dr. Oz, Good Morning America, Today Show, CNN, on big stages, in arenas, in front of mm-hmm. thousands right. of people making their unique difference in the world and achieving their dreams. And that's what has driven me to lead 35 celebrity launchpad implementation events so far. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like we've said, it's not inexpensive, but it is a huge, tremendous value that will give you the power to make your dreams come true. And I guarantee that you'll go home booked on at least three TV appearances or you get all your money back plus $1,000. The reality of it is that's an underpromise that we overdeliver on every single time and that the average person who comes through Celebrity Launchpad books more than seven television appearances during the course of their four-day weekend. And that's the answer to your question. <laughs> well, and it's an investment in themselves. You know, that's that's the thing. And and the fact that you have a, a part of that, that you were 
the guiding light kind of I mean that that really must be phenomenal especially when you see them and you think oh my gosh I know that person on Dr. Oz or you know Oprah I guess she's not on anymore but you know all of those various things of course we don't want them on Jerry Springer no no Jerry Springer's but you know the the good programs it must really be gratifying to know that you help them do that when I get the text message and it includes a behind the scenes photo of them or a picture mm-hmm. of them with Dr. Oz handing her a check for ten thousand dollars and says thank you Clint this has been my dream for my whole life you know you cannot put a price on the satisfaction it comes from seeing your friend get their dream because what they had the faith to give you a lot of money to teach mm-hmm. them how to do actually freaking works. Right. And, <laughs> and that's the beautiful part of it all. And, and the sad part is that I've paid a lot of money to mentors and I say, you know, well, have, has, has anybody actually implemented this strategy and it worked? And they go, Oh yeah, I'm sure dozens of people have. And I never see any of those dozens of people and I never, and I never see testimonials from somebody who says I did what they said and it worked. You know, I did a, I did a coaching session the other day with a client and by the end of the day, I had discovered $2.4 million in his business that he didn't know he had. And I'm not talking about how a lot of seminars you go to, they'll say, how do you feel about what you learned? How much money do you feel it will help you to make it? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about mm-hmm. actual cash in the bank. I found $2.4 million for him. Wow. So, you know, those are the kinds of results that I love because it makes mm-hmm. Makes me feel good about the fact that I don't give discounts. I charge a lot of money and I deliver high quality results. Right, right. Well, holy cow! Queen. We only have five minutes left. We have just scratched the surface, and you know, and, and I'm loving this because it was funny as you were talking. I was, you know, picking up on things that were exactly out of your book, using numbers using places and I'm not going to tell any more about that because we want people to buy the book but all of the things that you were talking about just now at, like you said it's it's a master class you know and and so I do encourage people to get your book because it, you know it, it has so many great tips and then you know I'm I'm sure that we do have some listeners out there who will say I have to take the master class I really have to to take that I've got to do those things. But, you know, they're, they're, for those that are, you know, baby steps, you, there are the books. And so you can, can go do all those. But, you know, as I said, Clint, we've only got about five minutes left. So, you know, for the people who are thinking, I really, really want to, but what do you tell them? You cannot afford to spend one more day in your life without knowing what I teach in speaking game. It's mm-hmm. 25 bucks to buy the hardcover version. And it comes with what I call 45 minutes of bonus videos. And of course, what do you get when you get the bonus videos? You get way more than 45 minutes of bonus videos because like I said, I always over deliver. I build that into everything I do. So you're really getting a multimedia training program on how to be a better speaker. And the reason you cannot afford to not do it is because you speak Every single day and the words you say and the communications you express to other people are the determining factor of how happy you are in life and how successful you are in life and how much money you have in the bank. So don't waste one more moment. Get 
on Amazon.com and buy Speaking Game in the hardcover version. And I will be happy to have in the book, you will see exactly how to get the free bonuses and you will be on your way to making way, way, way more money because I really do give away all the secrets. Everything I know about how to make more money as a speaker is in this book. These are the seven figure speaker secrets revealed. And if you have any fear of public speaking, I handle that right at the front. So get right in there and get going and stop worrying about saving money. Stop discounting your life and start investing in your future and making more money. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's what it all comes down to is believing in yourself and then taking those steps to make sure that it happens. And you know, whether you are speaking in front of a thousand people or talking to a coworker or your boss mm-hmm. or a spouse, mm-hmm. you know, all of these tips apply. And it's funny, you mentioned, you know, talking to little kids and using these, these, these tips. It, it does apply with everything else. You know, we know that we change the tone of our voice for certain things, you know, all these various things. And I absolutely promise, you know, for, for everybody out there, I'm going to guarantee it. If you don't have more success after you read Clint's book. I want you to tell me, and you know we'll figure something out because I, you know I, and Clint, I have never ever. You are like guest number three hundred and forty something. I've never said that. I have never told people that. I liked your book that much, you know. And 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 the nice thing, it's simple techniques. We mentioned it takes practice. This is not. Oh, I'm going to do this overnight. But you know, it, it is something that if you implement the steps in your book. It will work. And it's set up like a game. You can play the game every single day. And I say, just play a little game with yourself. Try to try to win 10 points every day. Try to earn mm-hmm. 10 points in the speaking game every day. And watch what happens to your life. Really. Mm-hmm. Watch what happens to how much money you have in the bank. If you just keep adding up, it, like 10 points every day is easily going to be worth 10 or or $100 every day to you. For sure. And by the end of the year, that'll be either $3,600 or $36,000 more you're going to have, depending on how much you implement this book. I, I really appreciate what you just said because, you know, it is a new book. And I did, I did really take a risk in putting everything into this book. Right. But I, I really feel like it's a legacy. And I try to live my life like it's going to be the last year of my life every single day. And every book I write... I try to make it like if this was going to be the last book I ever put out, I want to be really proud of it. So this one, I, I really am. It's a hardcover and it's beautifully laid out with all kinds of imagery and photographs. And I spent a lot of money on the layout and design of the book. And it is beautiful and compelling and fun and easy to read. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it really was. But as I said, you know, it's, it, it is going to take practice. You know, I've, I've been practicing of being on the radio now for years mm-hmm. you know all these various things it, it it does take time but i promise folks it will be worth it it is a very good point i mean it's like i felt about going on tv i thought well i've watched a lot of tv how hard could it be and you're probably thinking well i've been speaking my whole life how much is there really for me to learn but the real but the real issue is is that have you ever studied what to do when you speak. Have you ever studied Mm -hmm. performance and speaking techniques? And Mm -hmm. the great part about this book is that when you do study performance and speaking techniques through this, it's going to put you ahead and give you a tremendous advantage over everybody else in your world because nobody actually does study. Everybody just talks and they think that they're good, but they're not. 
And once you read the book and go through the 45 minutes of bonus videos, you'll understand how weak everybody really is at communication mm -hmm. and right. how much you have to improve and, and what you can actually do to play the game, have more fun every day, make more money, and become the confident, charismatic person that you've always wanted to be. And that's something we haven't even touched on yet is the confidence oh, yeah. and charisma that you get from being a better speaker because people automatically hand over power to somebody who has the confidence to step up in front of a room and express themselves and communicate clearly. And it's, it's a really beautiful thing. It's the best thing I've ever done is becoming a speaker. And it's the best thing any entrepreneur can ever possibly do for their career or any parent or any worker could ever do for their life is to get better at expressing yourself when you open your mouth. Right. I was just thinking, this is a fabulous gift for college graduates. You know, when, when they go for their interviews, if they had all these techniques down, they're going to get the job. Oh, 100%. They're going to just stand out from everybody. Yep. And, and think about this little tiny thing. If you were more able and more capable of influencing and, and uh, inspiring your kids to do what you want the first time instead of the 10th time, how much more extra time you would have to do whatever you really wanted to do instead of arguing with your kids. <laughs> mm -hmm. Perfect, perfect. Well, Clint, we've got about 20 seconds. So how do people find you online? Start out at www.clint, like Clint Eastwood, Arthur, like the king, A-R-T-H-U-R, dot TV, because I am really looking forward to seeing you on television. Perfect. I love it. Well, Clint, I have really been having a fantastic time. In fact, we've gone over on this program um, because I just wanted to keep going. And I could keep going for another hour because I'm looking at your other books and I'm thinking, oh, so what that means, you have to come on again. Aww. So, you know, we'll just, we'll do that. But until then, I am Deb Creer. I've been having a great time talking with Clint Arthur and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.